The Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus answered him, Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. I have said these things to you while I am still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I am coming to you. If you love me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father, because the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it occurs, so that when it does occur, you may believe. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. What would we do for our children? What would we do for our children? In our first reading this morning, we hear the story of Moses' mother, Jochebed. It comes at the beginning of the book of Exodus when a new pharaoh has begun to rule over Egypt and declares that there are too many Hebrews in the land. His solution to bring down their numbers was to enslave the Hebrews and treat them harshly. But still, the Hebrews continued to grow in number. And so the Pharaoh commanded the people, every boy that is born to the Hebrews, you shall throw into the Nile and drown, but you shall let every girl live. In this time, Jacobin gave birth to a fine Hebrew boy child who had come to be known as Moses. And she hid him for three months until she could hide him no longer. And then she and her daughter Miriam devised a plan. Jochebed placed Moses in a basket and set him upon the river. Pharaoh's daughter found the basket among the reeds, had pity, and claimed the child for her own. Miriam, who had been keeping watch over Moses, offered to find a nursemaid, her mother, to care for the boy until he was of age. And in this way, the same river that was supposed to be his death sentence became his salvation. And so they saved Moses' life. But in order to do so, his mother had to give her son away, casting him on the waters, and then pretend to be a nursemaid in order to be with her son. When Moses grew up, she had to relinquish her son once again, handing him over to the house of Pharaoh, the oppressor of her people, all to save her child. What would we do for our children? Like Jochebed, we would do anything to keep them alive, to keep them safe, and to give them the best chance we have to have them thrive and be happy, whether those children are just months old or adults or anywhere in between. Parents never stop worrying, never stop trying to safeguard and protect their children, no matter their age or circumstance. I bring a certain lens to this story as you know, today is Reconciling in Christ Sunday when we celebrate our church's welcome to those who have been historically excluded from the life of the larger church, 
particularly the LGBTQIA community. All the rainbows are why and may have been a giveaway this morning. But many of you probably don't know that three of my kids are gay. And so I find myself relating deeply to Jacobed's dilemma this morning in ways that I was not expecting. I can tell you that raising gay kids, while wonderful and truly fabulous, is scary. They have few legal protections. We worry constantly, even though things are much better than they used to be. We worry if they'll be okay, if the protections they do have will remain in place, if they'll be caught up in a cultural backlash, if they will be able to be themselves and speak the truth of who they are. Given things, given things that are happening around our country and even in our local areas, it doesn't take too much to imagine it. And so we have to advocate for our kids and teach them to advocate for themselves. There's nothing we wouldn't do to keep them safe, to help them grow into the amazing people they are and to follow their dreams. And I want them to know as their dad and pastor that the church loves and accepts them just as they are, as beloved children of God made in the image of God. I want them to know that the love they felt as little kids growing up in the two churches that I've served is and will always be there for them. But that is hard when the church has historically been and in some traditions still are so harsh and so brutal and so hateful and so actively opposed to them. I have to admit that it bothers me that it is my one straight kid who is the one that really wants to be at church right now and the others not so much. And there could be lots of reasons for this, but still I wonder how much of it is the legacy of the larger church's lack of acceptance that keeps them at a distance. And it haunts me. I think these kinds of fears can go for any parent with kids that fall outside the norm. Kids with disabilities, kids who are neurodivergent, kids who have eating disorders, mental health challenges, kids who come from different racial or cultural backgrounds, kids who look different or sound different. As a parent, you realize how vulnerable they truly are, what stigmas they face, how people look at them and treat them differently, how hard it can be to find and afford the support that they need, and it breaks your heart. Like Jacobed, all you want is for your kids to be safe physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually safe. And you want them to know in their bones that they are loved. My kids have shown me how much courage it takes to be yourself and to share that with others. When our kids each came out to us, it took so much courage. We are the people that know them best and that love them the most. They know that we are affirming some of our closest family friends and my closest colleagues are gay and still they deliberated and waited for some time before telling us. It was the same when they shared with their grandparents who were just as loving and just as open. Because you really don't know how someone will respond until they do. And there's good reason for them to hesitate. As the Trevor Project reports, only one in three LGBTQIA youth find their homes to be affirming. 
but the Trevor Project also reports that LGBTQI plus youth who report having at least one accepting adult in their life were 40% less likely to report a suicide attempt in the past year. Being an open and affirming congregation means that we get to say out loud that we love all of our children so that they can see it and hear it and feel it and know it and believe it. Being an open and affirming congregation means that we talk about these things and what they mean to us even when it's uncomfortable or vulnerable, like right now. Even when we struggle to find the right words, even when we trip up. It means that we live in a growth mindset we're growing together in what it means to love as Jesus loved, to accept and embrace as Jesus did, to let our welcome be wide and clear. I love something that Mr. Rogers said. He said, anything that's human is mentionable, and anything that is mentionable can be more manageable. When we talk about our feelings, they become less overwhelming, less upsetting, and less scary. The people we trust with that important talk can help us know that we are not alone. We get to be those people. We get to be that place. In the 1980s, during the heights of the AIDS crisis, a group called the ACT Collective coined the phrase, silence equals death. And it was their rallying cry for their work to raise the visibility of the AIDS crisis and help bring it to an end. It's still a phrase that you'll sometimes see. It means that when we don't talk about the things that matter, the needs of the hurting go unheard and unseen, and they suffer alone, and it compounds their suffering. It means that unless we communicate our care, people who have been shut out from faith communities will continue to assume that that is the case. But if silence equals death, then speaking about it out loud can equal hope, life-saving hope but it takes a reciprocal courage on our part to be open, to listen, and to make sure people know that they are welcomed and loved. What would we do for our children? I actually think that God faced that question over and over again in the stories we hear in the Bible. Here in our first reading, we have the Hebrews enslaved, treated brutally, their male children slaughtered, what would God do for God's children? Well, God calls an older Moses at the burning bush to go and tell Pharaoh to let God's people go. God parts the Red Sea and leads the people out of slavery and into freedom. God delivers them to the promised land. God gives them rules to help them live faithfully and sent them the prophets to help keep them on track. And yet, the people continue to lose their way. And then God did something new. God sent us Jesus. And I'm guessing in that moment, God felt that same fear that Moses' mom felt, putting her son in the basket in the Nile, as he let Jesus go to be born in a manger in Bethlehem and to be raised by other people. Jesus grew and proclaimed God's good news of grace and forgiveness and showed us how to live. He showed us the very heart of God, healing the sick, welcoming the outcast and the stranger, forgiving the sinner, embracing children, collaborating with women, drawing in those on the margins of society and faith. Jesus welcomed all people and sought out those that the world had forgotten and forsaken. 
the ten lepers that called out to him from the edge of the village for healing, the hemorrhaging woman who touched the hem of his garment in the busy crowd, calling down Zacchaeus, the tax collector from the sycamore tree, and inviting himself over to dinner, telling the Samaritan woman at the well about living water that never runs out, transgressing the borders between ancient lands and enemies. Jesus went to those who had been told that they were different and unwelcome and told them that God's love is for them too. Jesus went to those who religion and society had shunned and told them that they were God's children. And then he laid down his life on the cross, the cross which shows us that there is nothing that God won't do for God's children. Through his death and resurrection, Jesus ushers all of us into the divine life of God. As he says in John today, those who love me will keep my word and my Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. The advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave you, my peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. God did it all to save us so that joined to the life of the Trinity, empowered by that same divine love, we may be a source of healing, hope, and love for others. May the Advocate, the Spirit of God, teach our hearts in the ways of love, justice, peace, and welcome, that through us all may know the grace and mercy of God. Amen.